Let's gather in this way toward the church, not out the <laughs> It's time for our service. <clears throat> While you're turning in your books to page three, uh, I'm sorry, 296, we will uh, try to sing an old song there. <clears throat> Page 296. You believe the Lord is going to come one day in the clouds. Oh, yes. And you're going to make a shout. And those that are alive and remain will be caught up with Him. The Bible says to meet Him in the air. And then we'll ever be with the Lord. Forever. Amen. What a day. <clears throat> All right.
I don't think we ever do the song as it's written, but we'll we'll do it as we sing it. <laughs> it starts off in twelve eight, and then it goes to uh, something else. But we do somewhere between, I think. Technically, so. <clears throat> time you actually were singing, not in the choir or nowhere else, just by yourself. You know, how much song you had. Mm-hmm. What would the total look like? Wow. Yeah. How much and, and if it is weighed it's probably, it's probably not. I'm just thinking. I'm just trying to get you to think. If it is weighed in a balance and the one side of that balance is your life, on the other side is dedication, consecration, Real, I'm talking about, not just, yeah. you know. Yep. How will that balance weigh? 
I know we're, we are saved by the blood of Jesus. We, we are kept by him. But we, are, we will be rewarded, according to Scripture, according right. to our life, our deeds. Right. So uh, it's all going to pass through fire. Woo! Help me, Lord. When we stand before that judgment seat of Christ. Mm. So it's all important to stand on the promises of God. Amen. And stand. When you haven't done all to stand, what do you do? Stand. So many have fallen. There's no sense in we don't have to. We can stand, amen.
the position, God will open your eyes and then you can see. That song says you can see perfect, present, cleansing in the blood. Amen. I'm so glad we have that assurance. Amen. I don't want to be like my great uncle. Him and my dad would debate a little bit, a little shallow debate, but they would about how can you ever really know that you're saved? How can you ever really know you're going the way to heaven? I think he died in that state. I think he did. I hope not. I hope not. He used to play music with us, and then and when his time came, he hit the floor. It was God just like that. We're all heading toward that time, that appointment that we will not miss. I want to be ready. Amen. Amen. Mm. Anyone have a special prayer? Sister Linda. Sister Linda's not feeling well. Not feeling well, okay. stay home and so let's remember him let's remember uh, Robert Lutz as he's out of town pray for him yes uh, pray against him moving <coughs> and uh, pray that the Lord will provide a way for him to be able to stay here until he can retire and uh, let's remember you would continue to remember my wife and Diane Kicklider let's remember her so and we're missing a few others but let's remember them all right. Remember Corey and Caleb? I think they're doing fine. Uh, I called her wish her happy birthday. Today is her birthday. And uh, uh, they were in the Christmas program. I think they're at Fout as Mary and Joseph. <laughs> but anyway, I just thank the Lord that they are active yes. and uh, going to some prison services and that kind of thing. So I thank the Lord for that. That's what we uh, hopefully raise them for. Send them out. Shoot them arrows. But <clears throat> sometimes they go further than we think. We didn't plan to shoot them that far. You know, I'm, I'm so glad that God's plans and His, his working is way far above mine. Woo. And I have to trust it. Uh, remember my mom. She had been so depressed, so sick with this cough. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I hate to be so whatever, but she called me while we were in church today, I think, and said, please pray for her. One of my hearing aids went out. And when she don't have hearing aids, there's no hearing, pretty much. 
and it's just it's affecting her dramatically. So do do pray for my mom, dad. And I appreciate it. Um, let's see, I remember remember someone else. It seemed like we're kind of a little empty here tonight on this side. <laughs> so let's let's ask the Lord to touch those that are not here, okay? In the ones. Yes, I keep forgetting. Yeah, um, there, I, I meant to put in a request for them too, but uh, uh, hopefully they'll be discharged Tuesday. All right. Yes. All right. Pray the Lord to give us strength and wisdom. Strength. Take care of ourselves in this. Uh, Stressful, pressure, holiday, whatever you call it, time. <laughs> and pray that the Lord give us souls. Yes, most of all, souls for labor. Amen. So let's remember these needs. Pray for the service tonight. Let's gather and pray.
faithful God. Faithful God. He will take care of our needs. Amen. He'll bless us and help us. And uh, I appreciate the Lord for things that He does. Um, Jane's got her a new car. Huh? You can trust the Lord, can't you? You can trust the Lord. And uh, we got a means to pay off the church. Praise God. Had an offering come in this morning. And uh, we're going to be able to pray the church over the last 12, 15 months. We've really brought it down. But uh, this is the last of it. Thank the Lord. And so we do appreciate, do appreciate those offerings of love that uh, unsolicited, un, you know, well, how about, you know, the Lord just dealt with it. So I appreciate that so very much. Amen. Well, speaking of, we're going to take up an offering here tonight. Tithe an offering, if you would, if you have any cash, that you, uh, would you um, make? Cash is going to go to uh, Brother Dodd's going to preach for us tonight, and so that'd be his offering. Or if you write a check, make sure you put it to him, because if it's not put to him, it's going to go to the tithes and offering, all right? And so, uh, but uh, we do want to give him a good offering here tonight. Uh, don't know how long it'll be till they make a swing back around. I hope they come back around pretty regular. But uh, uh, we do appreciate them. Uh, kind of hope that they, maybe when they finally find a location, they might find one nearby. But uh, just never know, never know. All right, so... Um, uh, Brother Edward, if you'd come and receive the tithe and offering for us here tonight. Teresa, come get us a song, and uh, it's good to see Reggie come sneaking in like he has. Uh, so, you know how it is, you just have to take some whenever you can get them. And so, uh, but I appreciate the Lord. He's been good to us, so very good to us. I really appreciate um, 
the uh, the play and the Christmas and that we're doing out there. Um, as some of y'all know, I just don't have the strength to do some of that anymore. But it's amazing to see what y'all are doing. And I really, really appreciate, appreciate what you're doing. I do believe that uh, God's Word will not return void. And though we may not see an increase in church uh, people coming in, uh, we can know that we've been spreading the gospel seed. Amen. All right. I'll get around to asking them all if they did sin. <laughs> These two said no. Thanks. Thanks. I'm getting ready. I'm going to testify. Um, there was a couple of weeks ago that we were having a service and we were singing like the first song and it was distractions everywhere. This kid was talking and this was going on here and so like the first song that just seemed like we were just whatever and I was like man we're snow and Harper they should be walking and the Lord he dealt with me and he said I didn't call them to do that you he was like you are supposed to worship not them and so I was standing over there and he said Miriam I said walk and I didn't want to because I was like me and everyone's gonna look at me Lord oh, no. so I started walking and I was playing the tambourine and I felt shame. I don't know why, but I felt embarrassment and shame. And I just felt my cheeks getting hot and I walked around the first time and I'm like, Lord, I don't feel nothing. And the second time I walked around, I didn't feel anything. And he said, Miriam, I told you, teach my kids to worship. And so I began to worship the Lord and about the third time I felt this breeze yes. going through. And right. I heard the Lord tell me, they're not supposed to
practice, music practice, it was just me and Sister Buffer and Rebecca. And uh, I don't know, uh, me and Sister Buffer, I felt like I had just been bound. upset with me if someone's not singing and I send them to their seat okay because if they don't sing that's the whole purpose of the choir not to stand up there just do ain't nothing but sing okay and let me tell you um, I'll be looking for the parents to back me up on it okay all right Thank the Lord. I'm going to let Brother uh, Dodd come and get, get us out of that little negative area right there and uh, change things up. But I do appreciate the Lord and what the Lord's doing for us. Thank you very much, Brother Dodd. Thank you. Well, praise God. It's good to be back with you guys this uh, Lord's Day. Thankful for... Um, Thankful for a lot of things. Thankful for, for God bringing us here. I don't know, eight or nine months ago. I know it was uh, when we came here. We knew Tanya and I. We were in, already in the process of of moving from Georgia, even though there's a lot of things that need to take place. And um, we kind of, I wouldn't say we kept our distance, but we didn't want to just jump in and and get so involved that it, uh, you know, tears at hearts when we, we knew we were going to leave. But even that being said, it still tears at our heart to even leaving. And uh, we love you guys. We appreciate you all dearly. Um, we didn't mean to get wrapped up in some of your lives, but yet we did. Uh, so we're, and, and we're glad. Yeah, we, we don't regret that. We, we don't know what all the Lord has in plan for us in store for us uh, down the road. Um, but yeah, anytime uh, we're close to or in Georgia, this is our home, and, and you will definitely see us. You won't hear us over yonder, wherever yonder may be, and not be here. So we uh, we look forward to those days. Uh, for those that, that don't know, Wednesday will be our officially last day here. We close on the house on Friday at 11 o'clock, and then, Lord willing, we will uh, pull out and start heading toward Kentucky, stay with the Gabbards um, in their uh they have a single wide trailer. We'll be staying there until we can decide where we want to land permanently. And uh, in the meantime, we'll also be driving them around uh, through some of their revival meetings. His eyesight has not gotten any better. And according to the doctors, it probably won't get much better. So uh, it seems that we're able to 
fulfill a need there, which is what we enjoy doing best we can. So uh, I don't know how long that'll last. It may be uh, uh, six months, maybe a year, maybe for the rest of the time we're here on earth. I, I really don't know. We're open to the will of God. But, uh, but yeah, all that said, y'all pray for us. And uh, we're uh, praying for y'all and just believing that God's still going to work here at uh, Landmark Holiness Church. I know it's, uh, as, as I have been a pastor, I know it's hard to, to see people come and see people go. Uh, but you know we're not uh, we're not rewarded on just the uh, numbers of people here in our congregation, but rewarded on our faithfulness to His purpose and to His plan. And uh, that that's what I, I want to say right now: just be faithful in what God has called you to be. And uh, you will hear those words if we never meet again. If the Lord comes, if we die, if you depart. You will hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joys of thy Lord. You've been faithful over a few things, I'll make thee ruler over many. So be faithful in everything, in your church attendance, with your family, with your work, with your evangelism. Uh, you may witness to a thousand and only one may come through those doors. Be faithful because God's taken note. God is, is he, he knows everything. He, he crosses every T and dots every I with perfection. That's right. Things we forget. Things we, 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 we forgot we did long years ago and didn't wow. even cross our mind. God remembers. Yes. And, and when our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and we stand before Him and we're judged for our, uh, our works here upon earth, I trust all of our works will not be consumed with fire, right. but there'll be some gold and there'll be some yeah. silver and yes. there'll be some brass and, yes. uh, and we'll hear those words. We'll cast those crowns upon his feet and, yes. and for everlasting bow before him and reign with him in glory. That's right. So let's be faithful, amen. Yes. Don't, yeah. don't be in the down and outs because a few folk are leaving or have left. See what God can do. See what yes. God wants to do. Because even God is ruling and reigning even in the midst of these uh, what seems to be difficult days. I know He's faithful. Yes. Amen. All that said, uh, I want to open up tonight with this uh, uh, thought that this is in no, no means a rebuke. No means a, a harsh word to you uh, people here tonight. Uh, the Lord laid this on my heart uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, I often, when I pastored, I, I preached along these lines. I've, I've never necessarily preached this specific message. It'll be the first. Um, and I don't know if it's going to come out teaching or preaching or a combination of both. I, I hope I can teach some, but sometimes my teaching turns into preaching and we just let it go where it may. It but this I can promise you. If, if you can get beyond, you know, the, the thought, oh, he's just preaching at me, or oh, he's just saying that because oh, of this, yeah, that, that, that's not my heart tonight. Right. And if you can just allow the Word of God to come and to settle inside your hearts, and you can embrace the truth that's going to be presented to you tonight, I promise you this one thing, it will change your life forever. Yes. I promise you that. And if it changes your life forever, it'll change your family forever. Right. And if it changes your family forever, it'll change this church forever. That's right. And churches change communities, and communities change cities and states, right. and it changes the whole world. Right. If we'll let God work in our hearts tonight. Yes. Amen. Let's turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 2. Also, my, my Bible is 
at the Bible shop getting repaired and I've never used this thing and it's going to be difficult for me so y'all bear with me on that. Genesis chapter 2. Be reading 2 and verse 7 and then we'll jump down to 18 through 24. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Go down to 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground the Lord... God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them into Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to all fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone, bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Pastor, would you pray for the message, please? Dear Lord, we do thank you for this great miracle that you have created here on this earth. And we thank you, Lord, for the most power that you have, Lord. And that, Lord, you are mindful of us. I pray, dear Jesus, that you bless this message, encourage and strengthen and help us, Lord, because, Lord, we know that your ways are the right ways. And, Lord, we want to obey you. Bless our our brother and uh, help him, Lord, in this message tonight. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. I'd like to preach to you on the thought of the home. The home. We see here in the book of Genesis from the very beginning, God finishes His creation. He finishes all of the wonderful things of life that we have. The heavens, the earth, the fullness thereof, the beasts of the field, the fowls of the air. And then in verse 7, we see the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his life the breath of life, and his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. We see the the pinnacle of God's creation was man becoming a living soul. Man was formed and fashioned into the image of God and he breathed into him and he gave him life. And and we see the Garden of Eden came into play and we see that as we start there in verse 18 that the God, the Lord God saw that everything had a a male and female except Adam. And he said, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, the fowls of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature was a name. So Adam goes through here and he, he, he calls the, the robins and the eagles and the hawks and all the birds of, of the air. And he looks down and he names the cats and the dogs and the lions and the bears and goes to the sea and he sees the sharks and the whales. 
and, and, and the dolphins and the bass and so forth. And, and my, boy, what a time that must have been that Adam had the ability to go forward throughout all the earth. However, whatever that proximity was, he had the ability to go forward and name every beast of the field. Fowls of the air, I can imagine those fowls would come down and maybe land upon his, on his hand or his arm or upon the tree. And he began to look that thing over without fear. It became somewhat of a friend or a pet like we'd have a cat or a dog today. And he would name it. You know, you're a red-tailed hog or you are a bald eagle. And that eagle would stand up proudly and, and take off the flight. And this was the process that we see that as Adam begins to give name to the cattle and the fowl and to every beast of the field. But there was no help meet for Adam. Adam found himself alone. Adam found himself all by himself. These beasts of the field, they went to their nest. They went to their caves. They went down to their whatever they lived in, old log and, and inside, downside of the water maybe. But we see Adam went home all by himself, whatever home was. He wasn't there to have a help meet. He didn't have a woman. He didn't have a wife. So he went by himself and God said, this is not good. It's not good that man should be alone because God understood that. God understood what it was like to be by himself. He understood what it was like to be alone. In the beginning was God and it was empty and it was dark and it was black and it was full of absolutely nothing and therefore that reason God created Adam that God might have a friend, that God might have fellowship, that God might commune with somebody to talk to and walk with in the midst of the garden. And God recognized this. In times where God was in the heavens and Adam was upon the earth, he recognized that just as he was lonely, Adam found himself lonely. And he said, it's not good. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept and took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh, and from that rib... He formed and made woman. Breathe into her the breath of life. And Adam said, Now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, the first marriage, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. The first home. What comes to your mind when I say home? To a lot of people, it means a lot of different things. Oftentimes we see in life where as people grow old and, and they retire or they have difficulties in life, they have this yearning and longing to just go home. Maybe mom and dad is no longer there, but yet there's something within them that desire to to go home, to go back to the old home place. We were back home where I was raised here at Thanksgiving time, and it's just something about me walking out across that acre of property back in the sticks of nowhere and just seeing the houses that are... Barely standing, they were standing back yonder when I was a boy. But walking those grounds and looking at the same trees and looking at my dad's same junk pile that he had years ago, it's still sitting there. And oh, he appreciates it. Don't try to take it away from him. But just we have the ability to have to go home. There's something. There's something special about going home. 
I realize that some of us in, in this world in which we live have not had the best upbringing and didn't have the best home life, but even yet still, there's something about that that's birthed inside the heart of man a longing to go home. Now, as believers and as Christians, we have the longing of a better home. We seek a city that hath foundation, whose builder and maker is God. And because of that, though we live and though we abide here upon earth, we have a longing to one day go home and be with Him. But the day in which we live is so different. The day in which we live, we see where the home is being torn down. We see where men are no longer willing to stand up and be the man of their own. We see where men are more consumed with the affairs and things of this life. They're, they're caught up in their child. They're caught up in their career. They're caught up in sports. They're caught up in whatever it may be. And it seems home is just a, a, a fault that there's a place in which they go to each night to lay their head down in bed. And furthermore, we see the woman has left the place of the home and she's stepped into corporate America. And she's working 40 plus hours a week and she's trying to raise kids. She's trying to clean a house. She's trying to, 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 to provide for her home. But yet it seems the demand of work and the demand of lifestyle makes her uh, forget some things. And therefore we depend upon restaurants and we depend upon babysitters and we depend upon public school systems. Why? So mama can have her own life. And because of that, we see where children are going crazy ways. Just last week, we see with that 15-year-old boy yeah. crying out for help. Yes. And yet nobody hears. Yes. Dad doesn't hear. Mom, Mom doesn't hear. Right. The public school system doesn't hear. Right. And he cries one final time through art. And he does his art into action. Why? Because the home is broken. Yes. Our schools are broken. Yes. The family unit has been dissolved to, to everybody gathering around in the living room. And we all pull out our iPhones and we pull out our iPads. And we all just kind of go into some type of virtual reality. And we no longer have a devotions. We no longer have discussions. We no longer even understand or know how to communicate one with another because of this digital age in which we heard a little bit about this morning. This digital age is causing us to enter into a virtual reality that is not real. And not only is it not real, but it is causing us to lose everything that God instituted from the beginning. It's causing mankind to, to be weak men and, and ladies to be strong ladies. And it's contrary to the scriptures and what God is trying to work inside of our heart. We lost the practice, the desire, and the reality of family devotions, of family prayers, of family readings, and even family discussions. And it's no wonder, and it's just not the holiness movement. It's the holiness, it's the Pentecostal, it's the charismatic, it's the Baptist, it's, it's the church as a whole. It's no wonder children are running from the church. 
Because the home is broke. Well, if it's broke, what should it be like? Since we don't have many examples across this land, what should we be shooting for? The home, it should be a, a place of rest. It should be a place of peace. It should be a place where God is honored, where father and mother is honored. It should be a place of safety. It should be a place to when Papa gets done with his work and he, he's worked hard and he's labored hard eight hours a day. It's a place where he can leave the world, open the door, step into the safety of that home, lock the door out. He don't have to worry about the world. He don't have to worry about the challenges. He's in his home place. Mama has prepared a place of safety. She has guarded her home like a mama bear, protecting all the things that would try to enter in and destroy this is one reason one of many we don't have a television I mean it doesn't make any sense for us to work hard be afflicted by the world be pushed into the world be tried by the world and then find ourselves coming into our place of safety called the home and then plugging in an instrument and turning that thing off and have the world continue to burn out its garbage and burn out its poison this is why God is looking for us to remove ourselves yes. from the things of this world. Right. This is what a home should be like. Now understand, you may be single tonight, you may be a widow or a widower tonight. That doesn't negate the responsibility of creating a godly home. So don't sit back tonight as we get into this and just... And just think, well, I'm, 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 I don't have a husband, I don't have a wife, and therefore this doesn't apply to me. Because God is looking for men and women, both married and unmarried, to have a place and atmosphere where the people of God can come in, where the people of this world can come in, and they recognize something different inside of our home. They recognize something different in this space in which is ours. It is truly, it truly should be a safety place. It should be a place of safety. Not as the world thinketh, but beloved as God teaches. A place we can run to and hide. A place we can find shelter in the midst of the storm. A place where love and peace abides within our home. But we've lost this. So let's start where we should start first, and that's with the head. The husband. The father. Genesis 3 and 16 says, Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now this, uh, the, the fall has, has taken place. Adam and Eve that have fallen, and he's bringing the judgment or the punishment, if you will, upon the woman Eve. And he tells her this. He says, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow. Thou shalt bring forth children. He says, one, the childbearing is going to be tough. I assume it wasn't hard back before then. I assume it was a little bit easy. How all that worked out, I don't know. But I know it was different because it's a judgment coming upon her. In sorrow, thou shalt bring forth children. And the other thing, he said, thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now oftentimes, men, 
We find ourselves, I'm the head of my home. And do as I say, not as I do. I'm the ruler of my home. And that's, that, that's such a fallacy of what yeah. God desires from you. That's right. That is such a mixed worldly mind perspective in what God is trying to work inside the heart of man. This word rule simply means this, to have power to reign or to rule. And if we leave it right there, I guess we could obviously come to that conclusion. But look at here in Genesis chapter 1 and verses 16 through 18. It says that God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness and God saw that it was good. In the midst of creation, we see God created the sun and the sun was glorious. The sun was wonderful. It gave life upon the earth and the animals could see. Adam could see. He could go to and forth and as that day came to a conclusion, as that day came to an end, the Bible says he hung the moon and all the stars. It gave the same thing. It gave mankind life. It gave the animals life. That moon controls the the ocean and all those different things. We see that these two things, God made two great lights. And what does He say? To rule over the day and over the night. And to divide light from the darkness. He shall rule over thee and to rule over the day. This word rule, this Hebrew word, is the same thing. We don't see the sun and the moon challenging each other. No. We don't see the sun looking down upon the moon and saying, what kind of light is that? Let me show you what I got. Or we don't see the moon looking at us and say, oh, you're so proud I can't even see. Look at people, how they look at me so glorious and glamorous inside the night. You can gaze upon the moon, but you can't gaze upon the sun. We don't see those two elements fighting one another or arguing with each other, but no God had put them in their place. And the sun rules in majesty. And as it goes down, it gives way to the moon. And the moon rises, and it rules with glory and beauty. And as the moon goes down, it gives place to the sun. And it is a perpetual ruling of both day and night, from light and from darkness. And God said it was good. This is the understanding. They both serve a holy purpose. They both divide light from darkness. And this is what God desires to bring forth in your marriage. To rule over that home in holiness and righteousness. To guide that family. To be an example unto them. Just as the sun is an example to the moon. To show the contrast we see in Genesis 1 and 28. It says, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful. He's referring to Adam and Eve. Be fruitful in all the creation. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. 
and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. He tells Adam and Eve to be fruitful. He tells them to multiply. He tells them to replenish the earth. And he tells them to subdue and have dominion. Now, in a lot of things, you would think that that all ties together as one mindset, but it's totally different. God gives them both, Adam and Eve, the authority to subdue and have dominion over the earth. This word subdue simply means to conquer or bring unto subjection or bondage. This word dominion means to rule, to dominate, and to subjugate. It means something totally different than what God is referring to man and woman, to husband and wife. They are to rule together. They are to walk together. Yes, they have different priorities. Yes, they have different callings. Yes, they have different giftings. And God says to walk in those things in the beauty of holiness. And He also says, but all, as far as creation is concerned, as far as the, uh, the, 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 all the things of life are concerned, He says subdue them. He says conquer them. Bring them under subjection. Have dominion over them. But he never tells man to have dominion over mama. Nope. That's right. He never gives the idea that I, I saw in my cartoon days years ago where the old caveman grabs her by the head of the hair and drags her around as just a tool for his using. Right. No. That's right. God desires you, oh man of God. To be a man of God. Yes. It's not God's will for you to conquer her. To bring her into subjection. To dominate or to subjugate her, your wife. But to rule over her as Christ does the church. Yes. Amen. And I think this is one of the most misconceptions of submission and authority yes. today. Zechariah 1 verses 2 through 6 says, The Lord hath been sore displeased with your fathers. Fathers, therefore say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. Be ye not as your fathers, unto whom the former prophets have cried, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye now from your evil ways and from your evil doings. But they did not hear nor hearken unto me said the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not take hold on your fathers? And they returned and said, like as the Lord of hosts thought to do unto us according to our ways and according to our doings, so hath he dealt with us. We see here the, the Zechariah, the uh, nation of Israel back in the uh, place of bondage again and they're no doubt they're crying for God to, to help them and the, the word of the Lord comes to Zechariah and he says the Lord hath been sore displeased with your fathers he said say unto them Zechariah speak words of life unto them Zechariah prophesy unto them Zechariah and he says if you will turn unto me then I will turn unto you he says don't be as your fathers that prepare Perpetually and continually denied the working of God, denied the Lord of God, failed to draw nigh unto thee. Don't be asked, where are your fathers? Where are your prophets? They're no longer here, but he was saying, My word is forever settled inside the heavens, and my word will last. 
from day to day and generation to generation. And he said, I'm tired of your fathers. Every generation, after generation, after generation, I am sore displeased. Why? Because they did not hear. And they did not hearken. God had become weary of Israel's fathers repeating the same mistake over and over and over again. Their sin created a distance from God and they became alienated in their heart and then they turned back from God's works and they turned back from God's pursuits. I'm sure that your pastor, our pastor, could say many, many instances is when he can recognize when somebody has fallen away from God. When they fail to be about the Father's business outside these four walls. When they fail to get upon these instruments as they often have or they prefer somebody else. Or they really just don't feel like singing the songs of Zion anymore. He can sense and he can see that something is going wrong inside of their heart. This sin, this sin inside their life, it's creating a wedge in between them and the God in which they say they serve. It has nothing to do with the church. It has nothing to do with the pastor. It has nothing to do with the people within their church. But it has everything to do with that individual. He, he or she is not finding themselves wholeheartedly with God. And they turn back. Repentance is a full return to God. Not some type of of partial amendment, but an entire renunciation of sin. I renounce sin. I renounce the life of sin. And therefore I draw nigh to God. But sad to say, that's not manly today. That's not manly today. Men just don't want to be responsible today. We're tired of the responsibility. We're tired of raising the children. We're tired of training the children. We're tired of working all day and going home and working in the yard or doing. We just want to sit down and and, and find YouTube on something. Which ain't nothing but a small TV if you ain't figured that out yet. That's right. Probably worse than a TV because you can hide it pretty good. Yeah. We get so weary as men. The, the world is, is producing this mindset that all men do is drink and carouse and get overweight and find themselves on a couch with a remote control f- playing football or basketball or movies or whatever else is on the television these days. Yeah. That's the mindset. That this world is cramming into our hearts and into our minds. And we may say no to all those things. And yet it still affects us. And we put all the responsibility upon mama. To raise our children. To teach our children. To play with our kids. All the responsibility on mama to do the finances. I don't want to do the bills. You do it. They get paid, they get paid. To keep the house clean. To keep the yard mowed. 
Do we go to church or do we not go to church? I don't care, Mama. Whatever you want to do. I just, I just assume sit back in my lazy boy today. So tired. I've worked so hard. Boo, boo, blind. All the decisions. We say we just wash our hands. Get a backbone, man of God. Yes. 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 Oh, yes. Get a backbone, man of God. Mm-hmm. Your wife depends upon it. Yes. Yes. Your children depend upon it. Yes. Your church depends upon it. Yes. Society depends upon it. Yes. Brooklyn, Georgia depends upon some of you young men and old men getting a backbone and say, I will stand for truth. I will stand for the Word of God. I will rule my family as Christ rules His church. I will be more than a conqueror. I won't be portrayed as some bozo upon television, but I will love Him with all my heart, with all my mind, and with all my soul. It'll be more than words flowing through my mouth. It'll be something inside of my heart. And all those around, within and without the church, they will see it. God has given us the promise over and over and over again. Turn ye unto me, and I will return unto you. Yes. We've allowed Satan to come and destroy our homes, destroy our churches, which destroys our communities, which destroys our country. Now is the time yes, yes. to rise up, O man of God. Yes. Be done with lesser things. Yes. Rise up, O man of God. Yes. You want to play ball with your boys? I think it's great. Other than that, balls are for children. Rise up, O man of God. Keep your nose inside the Word. Keep your nose inside God's plan. Keep your nose inside prayer. Social media is for those that ain't got nothing better to do. And I'll tell you what, if you ain't got nothing better to do than to jump on social media or scan the internet or watch YouTube all day, I trust you find a good place of repentance and find yourself crying out to God and say, God, I pray you stir my heart. I pray you stir my soul. If this is what I call being a man is, then Lord, would you shake him and stir him and come him to know and restore the life. Let's go into the scripture. Flip there with me each time. Ephesians. All this said, let's see what the Bible says about such. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, starting with verse 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. That's right. Why? That He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the Word. That He might present to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth, even as the Lord the church, 
For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall they leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and they shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, that every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Yeah. Listen to what Paul says. For the husband, let me back up there. Again, this ain't my Bible. I gotta. <laughs> Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. Let's think about that. How does Christ love the church? Love the church? Well, thankfully, we don't have to think too hard because He's fixing to give us an example and gave Himself for it. Christ laid down his life for the church. Why? That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. That he died that the word of God might cleanse and wash by the water. Why? That he might present the church to himself a glorious church. A church that doesn't have any spots or wrinkle or any such thing. But that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives. How about it, husband? Amen. How often do you go in that bathroom, comb your hair, and just start ridiculing yourself? You big dummy, you ain't no good. That ain't what I told you. Did you hear me? Not too often, huh? No. No. Are you going to mow the yard today or the trash anytime? These eggs? My mama took better eggs than that. Is this, is this the, 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 the heart and the mindset? So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies? He that loveth his wife loves himself. That's right. This, O oh man of God, is how we serve yes. our ladies. That's yeah. right. This old man of God is how we rule over them. That's right. As Christ ruled over the church. Yeah. For no man hath ever yet hated his own flesh. I mean, how many of you men uh, get up one morning and you're just feeling so wonderful and so great and you decide, you know what? I'm just going to go and cut off one of my fingers. Just for the fun of it. No man hateth his own flesh. But nourisheth his flesh. Cherisheth his flesh. As the Lord for the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. I don't know if I've shared this story with you before, but it's... It's worth repeating, I guess. Makes me look bad, but that's all right. Years ago, <laughs> you've been a good example, brother. Years ago, we was coming home from church. I don't even remember, North Carolina probably. And uh, we were going to decide to grill out. So I, I, I stopped in this one grocery store. And uh, 
ready to get a bag of uh, barbecue briquettes and they didn't have any. On my way out, I see brand new candy, Starburst jelly beans. And we all like jelly beans. And I was like, oh, Starburst, you know, brand new, had just come out. I mean, I went and I picked up a bag of those things and, and I went to check out. It's the only thing we had, so I had to stop another place. I jumped in the car, the van, threw them there in the center console. Didn't really say what they was what it was. I just wanted to kind of surprise them. Hopefully they wouldn't peek in the back. That didn't work. But I went on to the next store and I jumped out real quick, trying to be fast, grabbed my briquettes, went to the checkout line, checked out, paid for them, jumped back in the car, and that bag of jelly beans was gone. And I looked over at my wife, and uh, she had that. Like if this was the bag of jelly beans, they smoked over like they tried to be sealed because they've been open. Yeah. And I said, I can't believe y'all ate those jelly beans without me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I went to that and I was kind of went on and the kids and her lady started laughing. I was like, what's so funny? She took the bottom of that jelly beans and oh, it wasn't open. Woo! Yeah, set me up. Why? Because God was bringing us to a place to where she would know my thoughts before I even thought of them. Right. This is the work in which God desires to work inside the hearts of men and women that yes. name the name of Christ. This is why Paul says, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. Right. He goes on to say, flip over in Colossians chapter 3. Three and nineteen. Colossians three. Nineteen. Husband, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Right. Imagine Christ being bitter against his church. Can you imagine Christ not coming amongst us in the midst of our services? Can you imagine Christ failing to anoint the Word of God and touch your hearts as the Word of God goes forward? Can you imagine the Holy Ghost not being amongst our midst because He's bitter against us, not speaking to us, not communicating with us, not fellowshipping with us? Husbands, be not bitter against them. They are the weaker vessel. Yes. And again, that's not a derogatory remark. We'll get into that here in just a little bit. But they are the weaker vessel. Going down to 21, it says, Servants obey in all things and masters. No, back up. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Fathers, when you discipline your children, and we'll get into that a little later as well. But he's telling us, don't provoke your children to anger. Don't, don't make them angry and, and cause them to be bitter against the gospel and cause them to be bitter against the church. Because yes. it will happen. It provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged. Yes. I don't mean we don't discipline we discipline, and we'll again talk about that in a minute. But in the midst of our discipline, 
in the midst of our life, in the midst of our playtime, always be sweet. Yeah. You know, if, if you're out there pitching a ball and, 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 and he keeps swinging and missing, don't provoke him to anger. Three strikes don't mean he's out. Three strikes means he gets another chance. And four strikes means another chance. Why? Because we're building relationships. We're not trying to be competitive amongst our own family. We're trying to build them up. We're trying to strengthen them. It's not about winning. It's about family. Be not bitter against them. Back to Ephesians 6 and 4. And fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Again, Paul says, dads, don't provoke them to wrath. Don't make them angry. There's enough things in this life and there's enough things in this world that's going to fulfill that slot. Don't find yourself in that same position. If they see the world and all of its troubles and dad just fits right into that, do you expect them to do anything but run to the world? Provoke not your children to wrath. Bring them up. Nurture them. Hold them. Caress them. Love them. Admonish them in the Lord Jesus Christ. One of our greatest failures in America is that dads have stopped being dads. Right, right. Inside or outside the church. That's right. Dads have stopped being dads. Right. 1 Peter 3 and 7 says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, speaking of your wife, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Why? That your prayers be not hindered. Are your prayers hindered tonight? O man of God, are your prayers hindered tonight? Does it seem your home life prayers are brass sometimes and you just can't get one through? I don't know. But if they are, do a self-check. Adam Clark, which was a famous Methodist uh, man years gone by, he defined this uh, 1 Peter 3 and 7 as this. Dwell with them according to knowledge. He says, give your wives any excuse for delinquency. How can a man expect his wife to be faithful to him if he be unfaithful to her? Giving honor unto the wife. He said, using your superior strength and experience in her behalf. And thus honoring her by becoming her protector. Becoming her support. But the word of honor signifies that it's a life of maintenance as well as respect. We maintain and provide for our wife. As the weaker vessel, he says, being more delicately and consequently 
consequently more slender, reconstructed. Roughness and strength go hand in hand. So likewise do beauty and frailty. The female has what the man wants, beauty and delicacy. The male has what the female wants, strength and courage. The one is as good in his place as the other. And by these things, God has made an equality between man and the woman. And that there is probably very little superiority on either side. Being heirs together says both man and woman be equally called to eternal glory. And as prayer is one great means by obtaining a meekness for it, it is necessary that they should live together in such a manner as to prevent all family contentions. Live together in such a manner as preventing all family contentions that they may be not be prevented by disputes or misunderstandings from uniting daily in the most important duty of all, family and social prayer. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as the weaker vessel in being heirs together in the grace of God that your prayers be not hindered. What are you really interested in, brother? I I, I know we all know the right things to say. I get it. We never say anything wrong according to those subjects. But what does our life prove? What does our life show? What are you really interested in? Sports or work or just being slothful or lazy or the lust and things of this world? What about your family? What about your wife? Your sons and your daughters? What about loving them? Spending time with them? Embracing them? Teaching them? And most importantly, be an example to them. Yes. Amen. Some of the greatest lessons, I say lessons, some of the greatest things my son learned, let me back it up, say it this way, some of my greatest disappointments with my son are the things he watched me do and not the things I told him to do. They're watching me. When you fly off the handle. Mm-hmm. They're watching you. When you're not loving mama. Right. They're watching you. When you're too busy to go play ball. They're watching you. When it's time for devotions. Or time for prayers. And you just don't feel like it tonight. Because you work so hard. Mm-hmm. And not only are they watching you. But you are training them. Yeah. And I can imagine many of us. Maybe not all. But many of us can look back. And we could say, well, you know, I didn't have family devotions or I wasn't raised in church or I didn't pray with my parents. And, you know, when I was just kind of, I wouldn't have it. My kids don't have it. And if we ain't careful, our kids are going to grow up and they're not going to have it. And their kids are going to grow. And this is the problem. This is what he's saying there. He said, I'm tired. I'm sore and displeased with the fathers. 
generation after generation after generation after generation. I've given you opportunity. I've knocked upon your heart's door. I've cried that you would come back to me, and you did not. Yes, amen. Well, that God would stir our hearts again. Mamas and wives. Mm, she says. <laughs> Me too. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 18. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Wives, submit yourself. That's not a real popular word today, is it? I get it. Glad I'm not a wife. I just be honest with you. But this is what I found out. Because my wife and I, we had some rough, rough days in our, our early marriage. We butt heads, we kick and scream, and I'm just one of those guys. I didn't want to hear it, and I wasn't gonna fuss and fight. I just walk out the door and just go walk a mile down the road and just let it be done. And she's that one. She wanted to talk, and if she had to grab a hold of my legs and drag me, drag her across the floor, and yeah, it happened a time or two. And she wasn't gonna let me just walk out. Praise God. I know it's hard to believe. Submission is just not something that we just... Yes, you have on. Thankfully. <laughs> Submission is just not something that, you know, you just say, oh, oh yeah, I need that pop a pill and everything. Oh, praise God. Yes, sir, whatever you do. No, no. But you know what I found out, men? The more I submitted myself to God... The more I find myself praying that God would change me and direct me and give me help, the more she realized and recognized that God was working in my life. And when she saw God working in my life, she was willing to submit to that. She was willing to get under that and be what God wanted her to be. I wasn't raised paying the bills. I worked two jobs in our early marriage. And I, I partied and partied, and if bills got paid, they did. If not, we'll try better next paycheck. She was raised the total opposite. She had to submit. Because she came to a place that if she doesn't submit to her husband, she will never fully submit to God. Right. Yeah. Think about that. She will never be able to fully submit to God. Well, you don't know my husband. It don't matter. You don't know what I can. It don't matter. You don't know my husband. It don't matter. This is how God begins to work in the heart of man. When he recognizes and sees that there's people following his direction and following his instruction, it changes who I am. Look at Ephesians 5 and 22. Let me back up there in Colossians again, just in case there's any question. As it is fit into the Lord, that simply means it's a good thing. Yeah. 
It's right. Yeah. Don't try to say if it's okay with, and that's not what Paul was saying there. It's a good thing that wives submit unto their husbands. Yeah. Ephesians 5 and 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be unto their own husbands in everything. Again, wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. As you submit yourself unto God, submit yourself unto your husband. For the husband is head of the wife. Again, he, he's not a caveman mindset. He mindset. He's not one of those that's looking down upon her. But just as the sun rises and gives way to the moon and the moon rises and gives way to the sun, they will come to a place where they will walk beautifully together and they will both have purposes and they'll both be light in this world of darkness and they will both find their place in God that they are satisfied with, that they love being. I'll tell you what, there's, not, there's a place right now in my wife and I, we have difficult decisions to make and you know at one time she said, I'm going to make the decision. I said, no, I'm going to make the decision. Now we're saying you make it. No, you make it. We don't want to make the decision because we trust each other. And God's turned that thing around. When I finally get it, I don't want it. Crazy, ain't it? Why? Because she's the moon. And I'm the sun. And I recognize her giftings. And I recognize her life. And I appreciate her walk with God. And I recognize God speaks to her too. For the husband is the head of the wife, he is Christ, the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so that the wives be to their own husbands in everything. As the church is subject unto Christ, think about that. Let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Down to verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. How about it, wives? Do you give honor? Do you show respect? These young ladies around here, they're watching you. And I know the biggest challenge, I've seen it in, in our lives, I've seen it in, in others' lives when we've passed and just been in different churches. Unless God intercedes in the heart and mind of both male and female, we are, are guaranteed to become exactly what our mom and dad was. It'll happen every time, unless God changes things. I'm sure any of you can look back and you can see your mama or you can see your daddy and you see those things you didn't necessarily like about them but you didn't say anything because they're your parents. But as you grow older, you become them. Unless God changes things. These children here are going to become exactly what you are. What kind of mama are you? Do you rant and you rave? You 
I'm not trying to be ugly, but I'm trying to be real. What kind of mama, what kind of wife? When that husband comes in from that work and he enters into his home, is it just another aspect of the world? Or does he feel the love of the family? Because you dictate that. You can make that happen. You can make that happen. You can be there and it don't matter if it's steak and potato or peanut butter and jelly. What's on the dinner plate? Don't make a hill of beans about what your home is like. So, so get, get your mind beyond that. That's, that's the world singing. Think we got to have candlelit dinners and steak. And, and those things are fine. I'm not against them. But those things do not dictate or predict what our home life is about. But beloved, you can dictate who you are in Jesus. You can dictate who your home is. You can set the tables with grilled cheese and bread and butter pickles. And when daddy comes home, you can have the children ready. And they can say, yeah, daddy's home. Yeah, daddy's home. You can make him feel welcome. You can make him feel loved. You can make him feel excited about going home. I don't know if I want to do all that. Exactly. Exactly. Mama, you are the guardian. Just as the moon guards the night. Yes. You're the guardian of your home. Yes. Yes. Your home is your place of safety. Yes. It's a cleft in the midst of the rock. It's a place we run to and shut the world out. Yes. And usher that they come home and have sweet fellowship. As a family. Yes. And sing the songs of Zion. Right. And pray and play games and roll on the floor and do whatever families do. Yes. Mama, you control that. Yes. That's a great responsibility. Oh, yes. I'll even say even greater than the responsibility that daddy has. Right. Right. We've often said and often saw and often see. How even though children love mom and dad equally, but when somebody loses a mama, there's just something different about it. Yes. They miss their daddy. I'm not diminishing that, but when they lose a mama, just, there's a tie there. Right. Yes. You have the ability to be that influence Amen. for God. Amen. Yes. If you think that 50-50 submission is submission, you're wrong. I've heard that so much these last 10 years and I'm sick of it. It's not 50-50. We don't submit one to another. That's not submission. Do we submit that way to Christ? <laughs> exactly. And look at the state of the church. Let's flip over to Titus. Found it. It's Titus chapter two. Titus two, three through five. The aged women likewise that they be in behavior as becometh holiness and not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, 
that they may teach the young woman to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. This is your responsibility. And we don't have time, but we could go into Proverbs, and there's just so much in Proverbs in regards to a woman and a mama. But here we see the age women that they should be in behavior as becometh holiness. Not false accusers, not liars, not giving them much wine. They, they teach good things. They teach young women to be sober. They teach young women to love their husbands. They teach young women to love their children. They teach young women to be discreet and chaste and keepers at home. Right. Teach them to be good. Teach them to be obedient to their own husbands. Why? That the word of God be not blasphemed. Could you imagine again the sun and the moon having it out? Man, what a show. But the word of God would be blasphemed. And ladies, when we find ourselves usurping that authority, that's just not ours to usurp. God's word begins to be blasphemed. Let me hurry through here. First Peter 3, 1 through 6. Likewise, you wives, being subjected to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also without the word may be won by the conversation of the wise, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear who's adorning let it not be the outward adorning plating the hair wearing of gold putting on apparel but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible even the ornament of the meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price for after this man of the old time holy women also who trusted God adorned themselves being subjected to their own husbands even as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well ye are not afraid with any amazement Again, we see where Paul or Peter is instructing the ladies to be holy women. Instructions on how we present ourselves. We dress modestly. We don't look in the mirror and say, mm, I look good this morning and check everything out and make sure we're looking hot to go outside the, the door. We want to check and look presentable. We want to look righteous and holy. But we don't dress ourselves. We don't adorn ourselves with makeup and jewelry and all these things that seem to entice the flesh. But no, we are content with where God has made us. We are content with how God has formed us and fashioned us. He says, oh, woman of God, this is your responsibility. Let's go on to the children real quick. Exodus 20 and 12 says, Honor thy father and mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Matthew 15 and 4 says, For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. Children, do you want to live long? Do you want to live a good, healthy life? A life that's full of prosperity? A life that's full of good things? Give honor to your mom and daddy. Right. Yes. You know what that means? It means don't back to them. Right. It means when they turn their heads, don't roll their eyes. I like to pop some eyeballs sometimes. I get so sick of seeing that. It's rude. Yeah. 
It's disrespectful. Honor them. So don't you take out the trash today? Yes, sir, I took it out. Sweetie, did you do the dishes? Yes, sir, yes, ma'am, I took it out. I did the dishes. Honey, can you make me a bowl of some water for some mac and cheese? Yes, ma'am, I don't know how, but I love to. Son, I got a little chore out here. I need you to do some weeding. Oh, yes, sir, whatever you need. Yes, sir. I'm a part of this family. I'm proud to be a part of this family, and I want to serve God. Therefore, I'm going to honor my father and mother. Exodus, I'm sorry, Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long upon the earth. Again, over and over. Colossians 3 and 20. Children, obey your parents in all things. For this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. It's great you're, you're learning how to worship. It's great you're learning how to sing the songs of God. It's great that you're up here singing, worshiping God and the beauty of holiness. But children, if you go home and don't honor and respect mom and dad, there's a word for that. It's called a hypocrite. God expects you to honor mother and father. It is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Train them up. I'm going to go through this real quickly. I know it's getting late. How do we train up? Discipline is not first. It's a time of training. It's not a time of punishment. When we train our children... You know, oftentimes we're sitting back and we're kicked back in, the, in our chair and maybe we're reading a good book or we're eating our meal or doing whatever we like to do and, and little Johnny's over there fussing and fighting and we say, hey, hey, come out, come out. And they stop and <clears throat> they pick back up. Hey, I, I said stop it. But we really don't want to get out of this chair because I've been working so hard. And I said stop it. I said stop it. I said stop it. And after about 10 times we finally say, okay, I told you so. You know what we try to talk to them? They can get away with it about 10 times before I get serious. And they learn that from a little old boy and a little old girl. They get older and older and older and older. And they say, oh, that don't mean what he's saying because I've heard this all my life. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And we get to a place of rage and anger. And we run to the bathroom. We drag them up by the arm. And we drag them to the bedroom. And we wear them out. And we've done something right. We miss the mark on what God desires. Yes, man. It's a time of training. Yes. Now, some may agree and disagree with this. Everybody has, and that's fine either way. But when we were training our children, uh, they were maybe six to eight months old by the time they could. Sit on the floor and you know sit up without falling, and uh, we let them play with that toy. And he just you know like that toy, and I take it and I set that about a foot from him and I couldn't reach it. And he goes no. I said no. And they cried. Oh, they wanted that toy so bad. I said no. And they get done crying and they stop going after it. And I think it was no. And I do it again. 
Not do it again. Not do it again. You know what I was doing? I was training them that they understood what no meant. You know what happened with everybody five and six and seven and eight and probably even today? They could be doing something wrong. It's, they do that high. I didn't say nothing. We train them. And I realize it changes as they get older. I understand it. It, it shifts a little bit. But it can't just be punishment. It's training. Another thing that we, about halfway through that, we decided that using our hand was not acceptable. We wanted the hand to be reaching out for love, not to bring forth judgment. So we got a good Lowe's paint stick or a, eventually made a bigger paddle. We used an instrument instead of our hand. Because again, we want them to understand that this is discipline. But when I reach out for my hand, I don't want them to reach back. Like, oh, here it comes. Right. And we fly off the handle. Hopefully, not quite that bad. But look at these scriptures. Proverbs 13. Thirteen. A wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. A wise son hears his father's instruction. Again, it's a time of Training. We're training our children. Flip over to Proverbs 19. 19 and 18. Chasten not or chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not the soul spare for his crying. That's a tough one, ain't it? Those big old crocodile tears, and they're just crying. And, oh no, mama, don't spank me. No, daddy, don't spank me. But we do it anyway. Why? Because we're training them. Right. We're teaching them. There is right. There is wrong. When they get older in life, there's right things and there's wrong things. When they hear from God, there's yeses and there are noes. And are training them as a child. We are training them to hear the Spirit of God. And when God says no, they understand what no means. Exactly. Proverbs 22 and 15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Foolishness is bound there. Where sin is abound, so does foolishness. And foolishness is bound inside that child's heart. Time out ain't going to get rid of it. No. Uh, taking away his bicycle ain't going to get rid of it. Making her do dishes ain't going to get rid of it. No. The rod of what? Correct. Correction. A rod of of training will drive that foolishness far, far away. Yeah. Proverbs 23 and 13. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Withhold not correction, he says. Proverbs 23 and 14. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Do what? Yeah, deliver it from hell. 
Again, it teaches him. We teach and we train our children that there are right things and wrong things. And as they grow up in that, they understand that. Instead of just, you know, well, I was just doing what I wanted to do and daddy or mama flew off the handle and they laid a whipping on me. That's not what God's desire or plan is. It's to train them. Proverbs 29 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Yes. Ever seen that before? Yes. <laughs> oh, that little Johnny, he's just so cute until you see the church and does it. It's not so cute no more, is it? Right. <laughs> you know why they act like that way here at church? Because they act like that way at home. Right. It's no different to them. They're just being who they are. It's exposing who they are that hurts our pride. Go down to 17. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give the light unto thy soul. Back up to Proverbs 20 and 30. The blueness of the wound cleanseth away evil. So do stripes the inward parts of the belly. You know what the blueness of the wound is? It's a bruise. Do we, do we purposely try to bruise our children? Absolutely not. Are they going to get a bruise here and there? Absolutely so, if you're with them, right? Yeah. Amen. It's not the end of life. Right. It cleanseth. That process cleanseth away evil. It's like, it's, it's like that child that, and I'm coming to a close real quick here. It's like that child that reaches up there, and man, it got that cookie, and it's eating that cookie, and it's got away with it. It's got five of them down his belly now. You think nobody saw him, and all of a sudden, he's just walking out of the kitchen, and he's got cookie crumbs all down his shirt, but he ain't got a clue. And he thinks, I ain't got nothing. What's going on? I didn't know Did you eat some cookies? Oh, no, 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 you didn't see me no cookies. His heart condemns him. He's guilty. You can tell him. His countenance tells on him. And when you confront him with him, even if he never admits it, you take him back there and you teach him about stealing and you teach him about lying and you teach him about respect and you discipline him real good. He walks out of there revived. He clears his conscience. Just like when God puts his finger upon your life. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no. And, and we can tell, you can tell, everybody can tell. And you come down here and you cry for forgiveness. And God gets a good old spanking and it clears your conscience. Right. That is the greatest purpose of training your child. Yes. Teaching them repentance works. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Clears their heart, yeah. clears their conscience, yeah. puts them back on that clean slate. Everything's good and glorious until the next cookie rolls around. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I promise you, church, regardless of what stage of life you may be in with your children, whether you have them or not, God wants to reestablish the 
to use every one of us right here tonight to be an example to the unbeliever. You want to reach people more than ever? Praise God for our standard of holiness, 110%, right there with you. But I tell you what, your home will challenge them more. Lost, unlost, charismatic, worldly, holiness, your children lining up straight and file, whether they're stair-step or just a couple. Yes. Respectable children. Yeah. And I wore my son out plenty of times. I think the last time he got a spanking was probably about 16. Yep. And a few years ago, he thanked me. Because he's getting any job he wants. Why? Because he knows how to work. Amen. In a world that doesn't know how. That's right. yes. Don't rob your child. That's all I had. It came at the right time. That was my, my closing bell, I guess. Uh, I'm going to turn over to you, Pastor. Oh, this was really, really, really good teaching here tonight and preaching. I greatly appreciate it. I concur with it. I uh, didn't find anything I disagreed with. And uh, greatly appreciate this teaching. Um, you know, um, in a lot of respects, you parents are doing it a lot better. A lot better. A lot better. But I can tell you, as a parent, you're never done. You're never done. And so uh, uh, keep doing the right things. Love your children enough. Love them enough. Uh, brother, my, my boys have said the same thing. But thank you to mom most of the time because she's the one that kept making them do the, yeah. the chores. And guess what? I backed her up. Yeah. Huh? I come, they didn't do the chores? Come on, let's line up. And uh, now... They follow instructions? Huh? Yeah. The complicated ones? Connect this to that, this to that, remove this, put this in, and the stop, be quiet. From the simple to the complex. And uh, I can tell you his way works. His way works. But I do appreciate the Lord, and uh, I do think some of y'all are doing a great, well, I think all of you parents are doing so much better. And so don't take this bad, but take the good. And if it it discourages you, don't let it discourage you. Just say, I'm going to do better tonight. Because in all all honesty, these youngins are persistent. Amen. And you've got to show them that you are more persistent than they are. And it will wear you out, won't it? It'll wear you out. But you can do it. 
God will give you grace. And it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. And youngins, seek the Lord. It's so much easier when you learn to submit to your parents. You know why you've got to learn to submit to your parents? You do? Why? Oh, okay. You submit to your parents so that you can learn how to submit to the Lord. That's right. And wives, one little... i got to finish up. I know we've been here a while. Wives, even if your husband is not doing right, if you'll keep yourself in the right place that you're supposed to be, the Lord will intervene for you and defend you. And so... uh, and there might be a husband that says, what if my wife abused me? Oh, come on now. Come on now. Come on. Lord's able to help us. And love covers a multitude of sin. So uh, uh, let's take... Uh, Whatever time is needed, but let's come and let's pray and let's seek the Lord here tonight. Ask the Lord to help us. Come.